you get over the wall and then you find out, you know, that, that it started out of frustration. You climb the wall, you manage to get over the wall, and then you discover, um, hey, you know, I feel like I have a, a voice as, as a filmmaker too. If you're a person who's heard the word no from a boss, an ex, a team that cut you, a job market that didn't want you, an accident or diagnosis that left you debilitated and depressed, or felt paralyzed by any setback that you just weren't willing to accept, this is the show for you. Because it'll teach you what my dad always taught me, that failure is just opportunity in disguise. This is Matthew Del Negro, and you're listening to 10,000 No's. Welcome back to 10,000 No's. Today is a special episode. Uh, the opening quote you heard is from a past guest of mine, Drago Sumanya. And that episode was released September 29th, 2017, which was the day that Drago's film that he co-wrote called Lucky, starring the late Harry Dean Stanton, who passed away shortly after that film came out. Uh, That was the day that that film uh, premiered and it got a lot of critical acclaim and it was a bit of a splash in the indie world. And since then, Drago uh, was diagnosed with cancer and I just heard from a mutual friend who had set me up with him for that interview that he passed away last week. And... I wanted to do an episode that paid tribute to him. And not only that, we're in a weird time right now with the coronavirus. I feel as though I have had many conversations about that, about our vulnerability, about I think the potential for death is hanging in the air these days. It's a weird time. And my first reaction to Drago passing away, obviously I was disappointed and saddened. And really that's the word, saddened. And um, it just, it's not that I was best friends with him. Um, Really, we had this conversation. I really liked him. I went and saw the film. I saw him there. Um, it's not like he was someone who was in my regular sphere, but I think the sadness was for anybody who really for all of us, you're out there pursuing something, grasping for something. Um, in, in Drago's case, you're going to hear, uh, some excerpts today about what he did. Uh, he made a documentary film that I love called Character. You'll hear some excerpts of him talking about that and me asking him where that came from. And then he co-wrote Lucky, which got some fanfare, but he was still bartending. And he was about my age, maybe a little older than me, and doing what all of us in the arts certainly um, have to do for a while in most cases. And yesterday at the gym in New York... Um, a guy came up to me randomly and said, are you Matthew? Yes. Are you Matthew Del Negro? Yes. I heard you interview my teacher, Terry Knickerbocker. 
And it was a student of Terry's uh, who I had interviewed last year. And he's an actor and he's at the gym. And I said, oh, you know, thanks. You know, he seemed very um, moved by the interview. And I said, thanks. It's you have no idea. It's so great for me to hear uh, when it really connects with people. I said, how's it going? He said, good. You know, and he had that kind of look on his face. And I, you know, I said, when did you graduate? He said, last June. And I said, how's it going? It's, it's really tough. And he said, uh, well, I have a meeting with an agent next week. And, you know, the program was great. I feel like I'm really good at this. It's, you know, it's tough to get work. And I said, it is tough. And I said, I'm not plugging my own podcast here, but you should definitely go back through the archives and listen, because the whole point of it is to let make you feel or let you feel less alone in that struggle. And all of this the coronavirus, Drago, this kid coming up to me, everybody that emails in, my own self, got me thinking of, you know, what is, is it, is it a futile pursuit that we're all engaged in, whatever it is that we're doing? You know, is it, is it futile? You, you work, 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 and then, you know, something comes along and there you go, you're gone. And that felt defeatist to me. And I didn't stay in that place for too long. I started to think, well, what is it that we're leaving behind? What is our legacy? And I thought of Drago and I went back and I listened to that interview and it was early on in the show. So uh, that was also interesting to hear the different, you know, how the show has evolved and also, you know, annoyed with myself hearing me cut him off so much. And I'm sure I still do that, but hopefully I do it a little bit less um, but there were a lot of little excerpts that where I was asking Drago about what he did, for example, the documentary that he made character, uh, well, you'll hear it, but it really started with a string of inspiration. It wasn't something that it was something he thought about. He didn't even remember thinking about it, doing something like this, creating something like this when he was in college. And then he, he did it. He, he wanted to interview actors and he just started doing it. And that's what I'm saying all the time to everybody on the show. Whatever it is, you know, you have this impulse to do something. You do have to pick, you know, choose your lane and, and be really good in that lane. If you're doing everything that comes along, you're not going to get anything done well. But there's also something in all of us that holds ourselves back saying like, why, you know, why does it matter? Why me? What, you know, why am I doing this? And then if, if everybody thought that way, no one would contribute anything. But when you, you know, stick a, a stake in the ground and you go for something, that is something that's left behind. And I know with Drago, it's his, his film. I mean, I, a few years ago, was teaching an acting class and I had seen his film character, the, the documentary, uh, to prepare for that interview. And I ended up telling all of the students about it. I said, you really should see this. It really gets behind the the life of an actor, the pursuit of an actor. The, the it, it really does a great job of, of kind of, you, you know, exposing you to these great character actors that many of us do know their work. And that still lives on. It'll live on forever. So I thought an episode that was asking us about what it is that we're doing. You know, it, last week, Jerry Shea, 
said something that I did not highlight in the takeaways, but a friend of mine who listens to the show said, he called me and he said, man, that was a great, what a great guy. He said, I really love this thing that Jerry said. He said, what's your North Star? And he said, that really kind of sums it up because no matter what you're doing, if you know what your North Star is, you're not going to get too far off. And in that case, Jerry's case, it was, he was talking about his family. Um, and so when work was getting in too much in the way of his family, he made a decision to change it. And I think that's something to remind ourselves that we're not going to do everything right. We're not going to do everything as quickly as we want to do. Uh, we're not going to be as good as we want to be. That's just human nature. And I think it's actually good. It will push you to con- you know, continue to strive to be better. But what's your North Star? And what happens is we get into this uh, pattern of of thinking that we're unworthy, and then we we don't just you know try something and put it out there and make that our legacy that we're going to pass forward and and help people with that. So I I hope that these excerpts will uh, give you the the inspiration to just get started and not necessarily know where exactly you're going, but start with that impulse and you can always redirect. You're going to come up against a wall. You're going to maybe realize that what you originally started out with is not exactly what you want to continue doing and you can just pivot and redirect. And I heard something recently. It said, uh, this woman said, your passions change, your purpose remains the same. So you don't, the, the exact program doesn't have to be the same, but it's the purpose behind it. That's what, you, you know, leave this world better than you found it. You know, rather than focusing so much on, oh my God, there's a virus. Oh my God, what are we doing? And all this fear-based thinking, what is it that you're, why are you so scared to die? What is it you're living for? I mean, I think that's a better question. What are you living for? What are you doing every day that's getting you out of bed and that really is making a difference in your kids' lives, in the people around you, in their lives. Um, You know, we're all so quick to talk about, you know, politics and coronavirus and everything, but what are we so scared of losing? Because if we don't have anything that's worth losing, it seems crazy to be thinking so much about losing it. If, If the actual life itself is not really standing for much. Um, but I think what, what happens when you, when you say, well, who am I to do this? You know, the, the reason you're, uh, you're, you're thinking that way is it, it allows you to go, well, you know, uh, I'm, I don't have the training. I wasn't born into it. I wasn't, you know, I don't have the authority. I don't have the certificate. And it really just keeps you having excuses. And I, I think that at the end of the day, we we need to go, this is my life. I'm exactly where, uh, where I am because of the things that I have done and the things that I have not done. And whenever the end comes, hopefully for all of us, we can say, okay, well, I, I lived my life the, the way that I wanted to, and I pursued the things I wanted to, and I was great to the people around me the way I wanted to be. And, um, 
I'm, I'm sure every single one of us will have uh, regrets of, of one or another. I think the goal is to have less, to feel like while you're here, you are, um, you're, you're pursuing something worthwhile. So with that, I am going to give you a couple of clips from Drago. How did you get, how did you get access to people like that? So I told you earlier, I I went to CalArts. I was in the, I was a theater kid. I was in the theater program, uh, graduated. And then I met Dabney Coleman uh, at uh, Dan Tana's restaurant uh, in West Hollywood. I was told to go in there because uh, a a lady that I knew who was Serbian, my, my background, I'm Serbian. And she said, have you ever been to Dan Tana's? And I said, I never heard of it. I said, well, you should go. Uh, you know, a lot of Hollywood people hang out there and, you know, you go there, you never know, meet somebody. And uh, he says, and, and uh, a, a Serbian guy owns it. I said, oh, okay. So I went in there and uh, met the people there, met Mike, the bartender, grabbed the menu, was looking through the menu. And I, I, I the, the entrees are named after certain like celebrities or sports figures. Yeah. And I came across a Dabney Coleman steak. And then I, it hit me because I, I went to school with Randy Coleman, his son, although we were, we weren't really friends. We were acquaintances. Uh, I said, Oh, that's so then I'd ask Mike, why is it named Dabney? He goes, oh, he's been coming in here for thirty you know, something plus years. And, um, I don't think five, 10 minutes later, Dabney walked, he in, walked in, walked in the restaurant I went over, introduced myself, told him I was a friend of his son's, went to CalArts, I was an actor, said sit down, and then just uh, a relationship, sort of friendship, excuse me, uh, grew from that. And uh, I, I would go there, it seemed like from that point, three, four nights a week. Bless you. <laughs> Bless we'll you. We'll have to edit out that yeah. sneeze, it's so loud. Um, <laughs> Three or four nights a week. Three or four nights a week, I'd go there and talk shop with him. Just talk shop with him, and I, I, I was, uh, I was fortunate just to meet just these people. These um, met everyone from like Don Rickles to George Clooney to Benny. All these crazy, you know, people yeah. that I would never ever have access. Yeah. It's to. funny. That's how I met Harry Dabney. Introduced me to Harry Harry Dean Stanton, and then that's it. Yes, fortunate that you were there, maybe fortunate that the uh, he happened to walk in that night, but but also it's a testament to your personality that someone starts talking to you and obviously finds you intelligent enough or interesting enough to continue the conversation and then to introduce you to his friends, which is kind of a, an exclusive group. Sure. It, it, Dabney Coleman's not doing that to someone if he thinks they're, uh, you know, a, a jackass. Uh, that, that is, <laughs> so, that is absolutely true. So, so that's a testament to you and you're, it, it's not surprising to hear that now knowing of the other things that you've gotten involved with. Um, yeah. you know, that, that's, and, and that's a, again, like, a you know, just a reminder to people that are maybe younger or earlier in, in um, the arts and the entertainment field is that you, you know, you, you, you don't know where things are coming from, but That's try right. to be a good person and be yeah. curious and be respectful. And, you know, not every time is it going to turn out the way this turned out for you, but yeah. uh, that, that, that's a possibility. Just like this, this podcast and like 
the documentary, I mean, uh, we we had many, many conversations, uh, Dabney and I, like this at the house, late nights. You know, he's the kind of guy that's, uh, uh, he's like, come on over, even though it's 2.30 in the morning, and let's start watching, you know, Once Upon a Time in America. Yeah. And then he'll, you know, we'll watch the movie and he'll start breaking down scenes or he'll pause a movie and he'll talk about acting. And It's incredible. It's like he, a film he, you school. Know, he, he, yeah, he, he uh, I, I owe a lot to him. He, uh, he was like one of my first mentors, mentors, I guess, you know, without, without me knowing at that time, you know, and I right. look back and. So I guess what I'm getting at is uh-huh. like a lot of people say, I'm going to make a documentary or I'm going to make a film or, you know. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. But most of them don't actually do it, let yeah. alone do it and then have it turn out to be something mm-hmm. that's, you know, has, you know, here I am yep. 10 years later, seeing it for the first time and telling students, you need to go see this. You, you know, how did you um, we talked a little bit about it before mm-hmm. this, but, you, you know, it sounded like it was like ragtag in a way, but in a, in a great way Yeah, that you almost didn't know what you were doing, but that maybe didn't hold you back. Yeah. I, um, I don't remember me saying this, but my friend Hugo does, um, we went to CalArts together, Hugo and I, and he, Hugo tells a story of how I even talked about back even at CalArts of how I, we, we'd have a video library where you could go check out movies and stuff. And I, Apparently, I mentioned a few times to him and other friends of mine saying, how come that, why doesn't exist a a section where you can, you know, pull interview, watch uh, actors talking about acting? There's nothing like that out there. And at that time, I think just the, the, that show inside the actor's studio, it started out. And that was great because I remember when it first started, not to go off track, but I remember that show when it first started I really loved it because it was so raw it was like this I remember it took the, all the interviews were like done in like a little, little lower seat ba- basement low oh you know, yeah ceilings before were low they went, before they yeah before it went big. And, yeah. anyway um so even Hugo reminds me of this I don't remember it but I guess uh, I, I have bits and pieces of memory of me talking about it but I've always thought of something like that I've always had an idea of just want a, a documentary or a, a, just watch to see uh, actors talking about acting. Yeah. So it was almost for you. What Where's I that feel guy? like you captured, though, was that kind of the, the, the artist striving for something and not really ever figuring it out. It came out of just frustration, too, you know, uh, being an actor knocking around, going on auditions, trying to get representation over and over and over again. And I think a part of me just, you know, you just get, what, what next? What else can I do? What, what, what can I do? What, and not just what can I do to help advance my career, but what can I do that really sort of speaks to me, that yeah. means something to me, that I feel passionate about, all that stuff. This stuff doesn't come out of thin air. It comes from going up against a wall yeah. and then in figuring out how to go over that wall or around that wall or through that wall, you create whatever it is that's your passion, which is... Yeah, and then you find, uh, uh, you get over the wall and then you find out, you know, that that it started out of frustration. You climb the wall, you manage to get over the wall, and then you discover um, 
hey, you know, I feel like I have a, a voice as, as a filmmaker too. Yeah. And then you get excited about something new. Um, and that, that sort of opened my eyes, you know, cause all because I, you didn't go into it thinking. I that. never thought, I just thought of myself as an actor. I never thought of myself as yeah. a, a Well, that's stomach, the other thing know. is that putting one foot in front of the other. And if you kind of just do that and don't um, think too much about the product or the end game. Right. Or, and you, you can have that in mind. But if you, if you're really, uh, if your heart is in the right place with it, yeah. all of a sudden you pick your head up and look back and go, oh, I was this actor on the other side of the wall. Now I'm here. I'm a filmmaker on this side of the wall. You have how many hours of footage of other actors? So we, just to quickly sum up, so, so we, I continued to, I got such a, we got such a kick out of interviewing, do the interviews that decided to keep interviewing actors. And I thought of people that, Again, actors that I grew up with and just people that... Name uh, some... Oh, man, we uh, there was so many. Alfred Molina, Rudger Hauer, John Doe, uh, Charles Napier, L.Q. Burt Jones, Young, Burt Young. I mean, uh, great actors. Robert Forster. I mean, they just go on and on. And uh, so we interviewed about 50 other actors. We... Uh, did all that and how long of interviews hour interviews about an hour and a half two yeah. hours yeah. each each interview so there's about a you know 150 hours laying around somewhere in some hard drive that's the kind of thing i'd love to get to uh like cinephilia.org do you know that site yep. it's a yeah, great yeah. site it, it'd be great to have someone like that come take your hard drive and go this is going to be an offshoot of sure you know because it's a shame yeah. if you have those yeah. interviews and they don't see the light of day. Yeah, I. Um, but go on. You were. I cut you. No, off. no, no, not at all. And so there, there are a bunch of interviews lying around. I, I just, I, you know, for whatever reason, I, you know, time moved on. Um, I don't know. Uh, I often think about it. And I often, I, I often think about doing like a companion piece to character, but I, I um, to doing one with um, women. I got a lot of a lot of uh, uh, bad press. Bad, not bad press, but, but a lot of people would ask, "Well, where are the women?" You know. Yeah. Uh, and I, uh, I, I'll say in all fairness that originally that I never even thought of it that because the story to me was just Dabney and and his friends and those friends, you know. Who were all uh, yeah. And then when I went on to interview other actors. You know, I, I don't. I'm a, I'm a guy, and I just those are like That's male influences gravi- that spoke to that gravitates toward. You know, um, were your parents into film? No, or, God, no, no, no. <laughs> God, no, no. Siblings? Do you have anybody that was no, into? No, is, is I'm your, the only, only one. one. Yeah, nobody, nobody I know in my family was into what was the it arts. They, what What got you into the arts? What, I don't just, know, man. I think it's that cliche sort of typical story of when I was a kid. My, you know, went to the movies and. You know, you went to see a movie. It wasn't any particular movie. It wasn't anything specific like that. But I just remember going to the movies and I have these, you know, I would come home and I'd act out parts of the movie, I guess, you know, without. Yeah. So there, there was never like a significant moment. Yeah. There was, however, a significant moment. I know back when I, in in high school, my last like two years of high school, I I was really kind of a recluse in high school. I didn't really, if, if it wanted, if it wasn't for drama, the drama department, I would have, 
probably not have graduated high school because it wasn't that I was a bad student. Just I just didn't I don't know. I, yeah, I, I don't know. It just didn't. It, it just wasn't for me. I don't know. My friend in, took me to go see uh, Scent of a Woman, and uh, that's that was sort of my first. Sort of, that was a significant moment for me because that's when I started to Pacino, obviously, but um, I started to really study and look into like the history of like the actor's studio and oh, you can this is there's a craft and like I, that's that kind of sparked that I never yeah. heard of that you know I had never had anybody to yeah so it's through Pacino yeah like yeah. that 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 specific and kind Phil of Hoffman. film Phil Hoffman's great in that too he's right. You know, I mean, he's, he's always great. Oh, but, they're all great. Yeah. Um, from years from like 94 to then 97, I started just, I started going to all these little independent theater, not these, all these, there's two in San Diego, <laughs> in San Diego, uh, independent art houses. And then I, however, I even forgot how I even found out what movies were playing. I guess in the paper. That's how we had then. We didn't, you know. Yeah. Um, but I'd go watch these independent art house flicks, you know, Jarmish films and uh, yeah. all these things that came out. And, uh, and then so did really, you go to CalArts for visual art? Were, were you going there? No, I was, a theater, I was in a, no, I went there. I, I applied to theater school, yeah, as an actor. You know, all my core friends, all my greatest friends are my family now, basically, uh, are all from CalArts. You'd ask if my folks were in the arts, and I, I, mean, I almost wish they were, because, I, you know, even up until I started CalArts, I had no idea there were such things as, like, uh, high school for the performing arts. I, I wish I had known about yeah. that. My dad's a mechanic. Um my dad worked at one time worked for Hewlett Packard as a machinist. My mom worked for Sony Electronics uh, as a, like a line technician. You know, blue collared yeah. work factory workers. Um, and how do they see their they, son they, now going? Like, do they even get like that your film was there and that you have, uh, you know, like you're having a theatrical release and. I don't think that they really quite understand it. And they really, really haven't understood. They don't quite understand the business. Yeah. Um, I don't think they understand what really how difficult it is or, you know, what, what this means, this whole thing, what you're with the lucky. And, but, um, <laughs> you know, it's the old, it's the, it's again, it's the old country mentality. It's like, that's great. Your movie's. So how much how much money are you making or yeah. are you okay? Do you is you know, they're just worried? You know they're always worried. Yeah. And uh, hey pops, so the movie's coming out in the theater on September 29th. Okay, you know he doesn't. I, yeah. They don't think they understand. You know. It's yeah. Like, but he'd be really excited if he, you know, if he, I said, hey, um, you know, I'm doing a movie with Sylvester Stallone. Really? You yeah. know? Yeah. Or I met Clint Eastwood or something like that. You know, he he dig that, but uh, yeah. Then you know they're not. Uh, it's a, well, I'm sure they appreciate in, it. In, I, in their defense, know. it's a really bizarre business. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm a, not even sure I understand. Yeah, I don't now. know if I. Yeah, I think I'm doing a whole podcast because I don't understand. Uh, I mean, figure out what the hell I've done. You know, you mentioned yeah. bartending earlier, and I yeah. at, the, uh, at, at my my bartending uh, job. 
the people there are just lovely and they've been very supportive of, of me and, and now this lucky coming out. So I, uh, I thank all of them there. Um, but even, even there at bartending, you know, people, you know, regulars, you know, they, I've told them about the movie coming out and even they're like, so I guess, guess you're not going to be working here any much longer, huh? Uh, yeah. It's like, man, the perception is just like, no, man, I'm going to be here. Yeah. Believe me, you know, uh, I remember being, I think I was like 28 and guys from college were, it was like in, it was in maybe 1998 when Wall Street boom was really happening. And these guys would, that I went to school with were just making all this money and they come into my bar in Midtown on, you know, a Thursday night and I'm pouring them Guinness and going like, <laughs> like what have I decided to do? It's like, I, I took a, a vow of poverty without realizing it. Yeah. And, uh, and so there, there were times when I was bitter about it. There were times, like, you know, I'm interested to hear your relationship to bartending because how do you view it? Has it, has it fed your writing? Um, like have people and situations that have happened at the bar found their ways, found their way into Lucky, for example, or other scripts that you've written? Um, I think... Uh... Yeah, you, you, you know, uh, or they've inspired. I'm sure. Yeah, no, yeah. Uh, you know, you mix the motions. I mean, you get all of that. All you know, at times you, you go to work, you're bitter. Time, some nights you're great. You know, again, um, the, the people that I work with are all. You know, unfortunately, everyone's fantastic. Yeah. There's not. I, you know, I had that. I was so lucky. In that's that way important. Too. That's really important. You know. Yeah. Uh, and even the, the days that the nights that are, you know, I'm there and I'm bitter, I'm angry, or I'm like, man, is this ever going to pan something pan out? You know, they're always the first ones to be like, it's only temporary. And you know, Nick is a guy that I work with and he's always saying that, you know, you know, it's, don't worry, don't worry, you know. So it's great to have people like that. Um, yeah. Uh, and it really means a lot. The regulars that come in and the friends that I've made, um, there they f- sure they feel they feel more of just the support you know like just keep doing it just keep doing it keep writing keep auditioning keep whatever yeah you know there are not many other jobs that are going to allow you flexibility yeah and these it, guys yeah. are great i mean you, yeah. you know that's why you work you a few it. days a week three four days a week yeah. you, you 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 leave every night with cash in your pocket you're not digging ditches you're not you know mm-hmm. i mean it's Bartending, you know, it, it also helps that you have something else going. You know, yeah, yeah. If there if, if there wasn't anything else going, I don't know. Maybe there'd be, the, you know, the nights of being bitter would outweigh the nights of like, yeah. hey, everything's great and exactly. don't worry. You know, lucky. How did that come to be? A long story short, uh, my friend Logan Sparks, who uh, he and I co-wrote the script, um, Logan had asked me to come out to Arizona a couple of years ago to help him research some documentary that he was working on. And uh, on uh, on the drive back from Arizona to L.A., we're like this. We're just talking about, hey, you know, what are you working on? I don't know. What are you working on? Uh, we had never worked together before, and uh, he was frustrated. I was frustrated. Just, you know, just what should what should we be doing next? And uh, he, so he, he knows Harry as well, but he knows Harry uh, in a in a different way that he he was uh, 
he'd been Harry's assistant for many years. In the car, I remember saying, man, if I was you, I'd just, I'd write a script for Harry. It's just something like in a lead role, something like along the lines of like a la Paris, Texas. Yeah. I know, just something that features Harry for Harry. And we kept driving and a couple ideas. We threw some ideas at one another about what that might be, something. And something kind of sort of sparked and... Uh, we came home, and then the next day we decided that we'd meet every day religiously from 12 to 1. Sorry, 11 to 1. Um, five days a week, and we did every day. Five days a week, 11 to 1, that was the thing. i come back home, get ready, and go to work, and we repeat. And we met for, I think it was maybe three months it took us to write the script. And that's not, that's interesting that you only met for two hours a day. Yeah. I mean, it's just. But it's smart, really, because I think that builds in a certain amount of like, let's come back tomorrow. I can't wait to come back tomorrow. Sometimes if you go bananas right off the top, you burn yourself out. Yeah, Yeah, you burn yourself out. And, uh, but we stuck to it. Even if we, I mean, there were days, believe me, there were days that we got together and we sit there and talk about other things, not, you know, just because we were, we didn't. We were just stuck, you know. About three months went by. We had a script. And then we, uh, you know, as we were writing the script, we wrote certain parts for certain people that we knew. And then once we'd finished, we then, like, all right, now it's time, you know, now it's time to call in some favors and call the people we know and say, hey, we, we've got something. We'd like you to do it. So in turn, we did, and we, we called up, you know, Logan talked to Harry, got him to say yes, and we got uh, John Lynch. So he came aboard, uh, originally wanted him to play a part, and then I knew that he wanted to direct for some time, and then the directing thing came to play, so we asked him. He said yes, thankfully. And uh, Ron Livingston? Ron Livingston came through John, was a friend of John. We've known Ed for a long time, Begley Jr., so Ed came aboard. Um, Harry in turn brought David Lynch aboard. Tom Skerritt came aboard. <laughs> Barry Shabaka Henley was another guy that I'd interviewed for those other characters. Oh, yeah. So, but John knows Barry as well. Beth Grant came aboard through John that. from working that, on Jackie. Yeah. And that's not typical that you write a script for an actor like Harry Dean Stanton, and and that you actually get him. Our uh, tagline is: "It's a spiritual journey of a ninety-year-old atheist." Yeah, starring ninety-year-old Harry Dean Stanton, ninety-one-year-old. Is he ninety-one? Ninety-one. Yeah. It's a lot based on Harry's philosophies and Harry's sort of ideology about life and religion and spirituality, and um, say a lot of favors were called in. A lot of favors by a lot of people. Yeah. Um, It was a. It was as as John Lynch likes to call it. It was the. uh, It was the Rolodex production. There we are, you know, watching the movie and then Magnolia's logo comes up. And I, yeah. I was, you know, growing up watching all these movies with the, you know, it's just yeah. it's surreal. All right. That is it. I am uh, not going to do the typical top three takeaways. Um, I just want to reflect on that. I hope that you got something out of it. He starts to get into uh, the lucky movie. If you're interested more in that, you can go back to the original episode. Um, I do have to give you a warning. 
I will really annoy you. I, uh, you could hear some of those where I'm cutting him off and I, I cut myself off in this edit. Um, forgive us for the, the rough edit, but we just wanted to give you the gist of it. And when I listened back to it, um, I had two thoughts. What I was talking about in the beginning was what we leave behind. And then there's also this thought as I was listening to it, which is, you know, what can we learn from Drago's life and and some of uh, what I, I didn't leave in fully, you know, he talked about having plans for other things to do. And that's really what I want to leave you with. And it's it's actually not to instill fear in you, but just to kind of wake all of us up, myself included, which is this is this is our only go round. This is it right now. So if you do want to go write that book or you do want to go make that movie or you do want to have kids or whatever it may be, this is this is it. You know, there's there's no guarantee of tomorrow. And um, and so it's, it's a bit of a, a kick in the pants to say, go go do it. If it's been, if it's a, an itch that you've been scratching at, you know, really go scratch at it. Really, really go do it. Um, I hope you find this inspiring. I hope it <laughs> is not, um, not meant to be depressing. I just wanted to pay tribute to a guy that um, I really, I think what I admired about Drago is that he, um, he was following, he, he really had a, a, interest in acting and actors and he followed it and um and he he made something of it and he left something behind that other people will learn from and um want to let you know on the show side we've got Tyler Mitchell coming this week and he's started this incredible program at Imagine he's very high at Imagine he Ron Howard and Brian Grazer started something called Imagine Impact so if you are writers you're going to, going to want to hear about this or you're uh, content creators in some way it's an incredible program that is has really blown up and then the following week is going to be Henry Winkler I know I've been dangling those in front of us for so long, but um, a couple of things came up that I did not intend to uh, push these back so far, but they are coming these next two weeks. Um, again, if you want to uh, follow me on Instagram at Maddie Dell, Twitter at Matthew Del Negro, Facebook at Matthew Del Negro, you can get uh, promo videos of what's coming next. You can see what I'm up to. And um, if you want to go to the store at 10,000nose.com, we've got hats and t-shirts that support the podcast. Love it if you order those. And um, I will be making announcements with other stuff that's coming up uh, down the pipe. Thank you so much. Have a great week and keep on going.